Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. No surprise announcements from Liverpool as the transfer window closed in pretty quiet fashion. That was the expectation, but it's got supporters worried about the lack of depth in the squad especially in attacking areas. We've opened the mailbag on the Red Agenda Extra to get your thoughts on how it will impact the season ahead for Liverpool. I'm Steve Hoversall. James Pearce, Kiva O'Neill, here to answer your questions. Well, look who we've got, Kiva, because she's uh, she's recovering after a 26-mile walk yesterday with Jeff Stelling. Very important cause. Let's, do, let's just start with our Kiva. The day was, was all about raising awareness for what? Uh, Prostate Cancer UK, who obviously the Athletic have a little partnership with. So we've done some quizzes for them, which you know a lot of our listeners have been on in the past. And then, yeah, so this week, um, Jeff's walking four marathons in four days in aid of Prostate Cancer UK and just to raise awareness and obviously raise vital funds as well for them. I think the awareness one's big because obviously men need to make sure they go and get checked. Um, that's massively important. And... You know, just knowing about prostate cancer more, like people don't really know about it. But like, you know, speaking to people yesterday, they seem to, since Jeff's been marching around the country as he has been for the past few years, it seems to have just massively raised awareness. Everyone knows what the little, you know, the pin badges now that people wear. So, yeah, just, you know, such an inspiring day to be around so many incredible people. You know, there's people who've survived cancer, people who, you know, are still battling on with it. Um so yeah, just just a remarkable uh, collection of people I got to walk with, and walk quite a long distance. For some reason, I had in my head that it, a marathon was twenty one miles. God knows why it's not twenty one miles, Steve James. It's not twenty one miles. It's twenty six point two as well. Not even like twenty six, and you're done. You have to get to the point two, um, yeah, I didn't know that. Like I had Achilles to to be honest until today. Like I just thought like. You know, when people tear them or whatever, and it's like, oh, it sounds like a bad one. I, like, got out of bed this morning and just nearly, like, fell to the floor. Um, one last point I want to make um, is that slippers are amazing because I've just been sliding around the house without having to, like, bend or move. <laughs> so I probably could do with, like, one of those hoverboard things. I'm pretty sure James's kids might have one so that he can send it over to me and I'll just hover my way around for the next few days. She looks like Mr. Soft on this this video call. I should just mention, before we go to the questions, uh, off-air, Kiva was marvelling at Jeff Stelling's um, calves, which apparently are, are a sight to behold. Better than Shaquille's. I've never seen nothing like it. And what an incredible fella as well. You know, the way he comes across on TV is just exactly how he is. And, you know, people were obviously wanting to get the pictures with him yesterday. Um, same goes for, like, Neil Mellor, who was on the walk of us all day. 
Um, you know, uh, Phil Thompson was at the start, Ian Rush was at the end. Um, Colin Murray, I pretty much spent most of the day with him. He's a big Liverpool fan, so that was fun. Um, yeah, just honestly, um, a really good day. And yeah, please, if you can donate, then make sure you do. Well done, everyone. Brilliant course. Absolutely brilliant. Right, let's get back to uh, the mailbag. This is what this Red Agenda Extra is all about. I mentioned before, there seems to have been an excessive reaction to the lack of business in the transfer window. FSG James taking an awful lot of criticism, over the top or not. <laughs> um, yeah, I think some of it has. Some of it has been. I think some of it is, is justified. I think um, I can certainly understand a, a sense of frustration that the Liverpool didn't do more in the window and that and that Klopp wasn't back more financially. Um you know I've I've written numerous times right from the back end of last season onwards that I felt that there were a few areas of the squad that had to be addressed. You know, clearly the the absolute priority was def- uh, def- defensively in terms of bringing in another centre back. They did that very early on with Canate, but um yeah, I you know I I still feel as if, you know, not signing a replacement for Wijnaldum um, concerns me. I think not as much as not signing another attacker because I think, you know, probably earlier on in the summer, none of us, none of us envisaged Harvey Elliott having a pre-season quite, quite like he did and forcing his way into Klopp's plans. So I, I think not signing another midfielder I find more understandable given, given the options there. Despite you know that nagging issue probably in the back of my mind is. What about the injury records of players like Cater and Oxay chamberlain um, But yeah, I think like most fans that, that I've spoken to in the last few days, I think the concern really centres around the top end of the pitch with the fact that there is such a big drop-off between, you know, when you've got Salamani, Firmino and Jota, there's a huge responsibility on their shoulders because, you know, I'm not convinced that that we're going to we're gonna get a huge return from Minamino and Anarigi. Um but uh, you know, hopefully, will be will be proved wrong. It, it leads to a bigger question about FSG's longer term strategy. So, first question out of the mailbag. This is from Helps. He says we've reached the pinnacle of football. So obviously, he's referring to winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League, and now we seem to be stumbling along in terms of decisions off the pitch. Is this possible? that FSG could actually sell within the next two to three years? I pr- presume this is one for you, James. Um, well, it, it's very difficult to predict what will happen in the, in the next two or three years. I think, um, you know, it's when, when I see people saying, you know, it's time, for, it's time for new ownership, it's time for, you know, for owners who are willing to put their hands in their pockets to a, to a greater degree, I think you have to appreciate that there has to be, you know, a, a suitable buyer out there. And, um, you know, clearly it, it, Liverpool's been a fantastic investment for FSG. I think when you go back, what is it coming up, you know, uh, you know 11 years, what, £300 million, I think probably pre-pandemic, we, there was there was valuations of about £3 billion. So, um, you know, there aren't too many people in the world who are able to, 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 to you know, be in the market for an asset at that kind of value. Um, so, you know, as things stand at the moment, I'm... I'm certainly not aware of FSG thinking about selling, looking to sell. Um, you know, it's a huge few years coming up. I'm sure we'll we'll go on to the fact that you know, as things stand at the moment, Michael Edwards his contract runs out next summer, and 
know, he he has indicated at this point that he that there's there's no extension lined up. He he's thinking about pursuing a new challenge, and then of course in twenty twenty four you've got Klopp himself likely to step away. So um, yeah, it's a huge few years ahead. But you know, at the moment, I there's no indication that from that I've had that that FSG are, are, are thinking of selling up. And I think you've got to keep things in perspective as well because. Like you know, I, I I see comments on social media like you know a club in decline and um you know and you know lost our way and all the rest of it. It's like well, hang on a minute. You know, it, it has you know obviously finishing third wasn't what anyone wanted last season. But let's let's just remember the adversity that Liverpool faced last season. You know, they were they were top of the league till till New Year's Day. Then the wheels came off as a result of an unprecedented injury crisis. Then they produced title form from what was it March through to the middle of May. So, um, you know, and this summer, yes, you know, it is disappointing. I don't think we can get away from that that they didn't bring in anyone apart from Canate. But you know, it's whereas you know, I think the mood at the moment would be very different if, say, Liverpool had brought in a fifth choice attacker on deadline day. That is essentially what we're talking about. That that was the glaring weakness in the squad. Um, so you know, it's we're we're not talking about a squad full of holes that that isn't able to compete. You know, it's we've seen we've seen a host of key players sign new contracts this summer. You know, do you really think those players would have signed those contracts if they were worried about the direction the club was going in? They wouldn't. You know, we've seen key players come back from long term injuries and strengthen the squad. We've seen you know fantastic youngsters like Harvey Elliott and Cade Gordon emerge you know, from out of nowhere, really. And of course, if you've got a, a massive bloated squad, then it's much more difficult to have that pathway for the young players. So, um, so yeah, I think the window could have been better, but I, I do think, yeah, there's been a, an overreaction in some quarters. I think you put that into perspective, brilliant, particularly in terms of, you know, if it had been a fifth choice striker, then people would have been appeased, which which is rather bizarre, isn't it? Um, Kiva, it, it is a case of glass half full or, or glass half empty, isn't it? You you see different sides from different parts of the fan base. Um, question here from Lee: Is there disenchantment? And we we what? I don't expect you to know this hundred percent, but is there disenchantment among the recruitment team? regarding the lack of backing for transfers is that why Michael Edwards is leaving yeah I think the timing of that is you know probably one the club wouldn't have enjoyed because obviously the transfer window was still open and um, you know it does then people kind of question and you know this transfer guru basically nobody knows really anything about but it's just a wizard that you know signing players on the cheap or just you know selling players moving things around the way he does and the job he's done has been phenomenal um with him now you know potentially leaving the club and you know you see things like Real Madrid and things like that sort of their name doing the rounds and you know you're kind of wondering well if if Liverpool lose him they're gonna need to replace him and I think that's a worry among fans but then it's I don't know if disenchantment is you know I I've obviously can't speak for the recruitment team but they're still gonna be doing the job in the way of you know scouting out the scouting system will still be there they'll still have a list of of targets that'll still be happening you know obviously they weren't gonna go on anyone they haven't gone on anyone um this summer other than Canate so I think you know there's just kind of like you've got to be patient in a weird way obviously fans have every right to demand transfers and say you know especially when 
you know, you look around the league and I think the Ronaldo one was probably one that set a lot of fans off thinking, well, why aren't we doing anything? But, I mean, that one's a whole other story in itself, isn't it? Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for United. But, um, yeah, I just think... I don't know, it's it's just a crazy world. I'm glad the transfer window's over so we can have a break from it, but then it just never stops. So, um, yeah, I think one one attacker would have probably made people more calm going into the season. Um, I don't think... I think the timing of probably the Michael Edwards news hasn't helped fans in a way because they're probably thinking, well, you know, no-one's getting brought in. Um whatever but you just have to look as James has mentioned at the players who've signed long term deals with the club I think you know that speaks for for the current setup, and particularly Jürgen Klopp you know they're all invested in this and you know although there haven't been many signings for Liverpool just the one um, I think you know maybe there's there's something to come that's the kind of the hope isn't it probably not January but you're thinking Will next summer be big? But then we can't sort of all just, you know, hope because this one's been a quiet one that will be a busy one because we don't actually know that. And that could come and go in the same way this has. And then I think then we'd really have something to talk about, wouldn't we? I was just going to say just on that in terms of like whether recruitment staff are are frustrated. I I think, again, you've got to bear in mind that no one in that recruitment staff would have gone into this summer expecting... Liverpool to be signing four or five players that was never ever on the cards you know that you know of, of course you have to be fluid and react to certain things and they would have had you know shortlists and backup plans and you know we wrote ourselves that you know, Jared Bowen was on a, a shortlist of attacking options and we know that they look closely at, at Florian Neuhaus from Munch and Gladbach the midfielder but you know there would have been you know it, it's not like they would have had these fantastic deals lined up ready to press the button on and then you know a call goes into Boston and no you can't do that you know we haven't we're not going to give you the money for that it's just just not how things work you know there would have been various contingency plans and you know I I wrote a kind of transfer overview looking ahead towards how the summer would go back at just after the end of the season And, and I got a lot of stick in the comments section because I said well as things stand at the moment Liverpool don't view replacing Wijnaldum as a priority because of the other options. And I think, you know, lots of people, and I must admit, you know, part of me thought, wondered the same. You think, I don't know, is, is that a bit of a smokescreen? Are they just playing it down? But they, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't, so it wasn't like, you know, they did all this work to, to line up a midfielder and then were told the money wasn't there. And similarly, the top end of the field, you know, I, we've written, and I'm sure we talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when you asked me, you know, do you think we'll see another attacker come in? And I said, well, you know, only if Shakiri and Origi both go. You know, I don't think Shakiri going was was going to lead to, you know, how few minutes did Shakiri play last season? And then, you know, of course, you've got Harvey Elliott's emergence. You, they see Cade Gordon playing playing minutes in the domestic cups. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think you just have to, you know, it's. It was it was never going to be, uh, you know, a, a really busy summer. You know, I think. There is an argument to be made that more money should have been made available because clearly there still appears to be a gap in the squad, which is most glaring in terms of the backup for the front line. But then you come back to, you know, Origi is an interesting topic because lots of people say, well, you know, why have we not got rid of Origi? You know, they should have just got rid of him. And it's like, well, that's not 
that's not you know that's not how business works is it you know whether whether you think Origi has got anything left to offer or not he's still a, a valuable asset a multi-million pound asset for the club and in the absence of a of a of a decent offer what do you do and also Origi himself you know wasn't wasn't prepared to just go anywhere so it wasn't like you know it, it works both ways you know Origi Origi was quite happy to stay and fight for his place Liverpool certainly weren't going to just you know, take anything they possibly could just to get him out the door. Um, so, you know, and as a result of that, you know, and, and, and you know what, you know, who knows? I, I'd, I'd love Divock Origi to prove us all wrong and to, and to launch another, you know, famous fight back in his Liverpool career. You know, it's his career's looked dead and buried at Liverpool before and, um, and he's come back from the brink and, you know, now we have to hope that he does the same thing again. He, he almost feels a bit like the forgotten man, doesn't he? And we've got Scott and Cosmo asking the same questions about Origi and many others, Kiva, asking about Minamino, who I thought was excellent in the game against Osasuna at Anfield, but preseason often doesn't tell you too much. Um, is, is he a forgotten man, Minamino? I don't think he will be to Jürgen Klopp. Um, I think he views him in, a, in the same sort of sense as... Um, Origi is another valuable asset for the club. Um, I think what did they get him for seven, just over seven million? Um, obviously it hasn't worked out for him yet, but it, I think it's difficult for it to work out with him given that Liverpool's eleven usually is unbreakable in terms of players struggle to get into that first team. Um, obviously he went out on loan, and you know that started well with him getting the goal against Chelsea for for Southampton, and you know we were all kind of excited about maybe you know that was gonna refresh him as a player and get him more accustomed to, to the Premier League and English football, but you know, it didn't seem to work out there thereafter. So um obviously he's come back, he's looked good in pre season, but whether he can, you know, take that step, he'll need to when obviously AFCON um swings about in the new year because, you know, I think that's probably why Liverpool didn't look to loan him out or maybe try and sell him on this summer. Because when you do sell him on you, you likely think it will be for a profit because of the the you know the price that they did get him for, but I think he is he still twenty five. He might be a bit older than that now. You know he's still a good player. He hasn't probably shown enough and does need to to show something to fans this season. When he gets those opportunities, he's just got to take them. And I feel like we say this all the time about Naby Keita, but he's someone now who's who looks to be taking those those opportunities that he's given, and it can so quickly change for you. You know, um, three or four weeks and a few good appearances and you know fans can be right behind you you can be ahead of someone in the team so you know I think there's there's still a player there um, in Minamino there was I think with Minamino it was difficult because obviously um, it was around the time did Haaland get sold to Dortmund and I think fans almost got like confused as though Liverpool could have could have went for that deal or instead and I feel like they've always compared them to Haaland in a way but I don't know if that deal was ever a thing or ever gonna gonna happen maybe James would know more but I feel like that always held Minamino back in a way because everyone thought we we got the wrong player but I don't think Liverpool necessarily did and maybe it would be too soon to judge I think what's only been a year and a half um, and half of that like half of the last season he spent out on loan so yeah I think you know he's a player that could come to Liverpool's aid at some point, especially in the new year, but I guess we'll have to see. He's got to turn up, hasn't he? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a mailbag special on um, the Red Agenda. Kiever O'Neill and James Pierce. Uh, you mentioned Haaland. Quite a few questions on there, talking about uh, Haaland and Mbappe, Patrick Owen. They all they all want to know, James, it, it, are these realistic names or not in the next year? No, I, I don't see... I don't see Mbappe. You know, I, I think I think him to to Real Madrid on a on a free next summer looks by far and away the the most likely outcome. I mean, that was it. It just shows the the disparity in modern football, doesn't it? When you have got a situation where you know PSG are turning down what was it, the best part of two hundred million euros for someone they know they're going to lose for nothing in in eight nine months time. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, I, I think we we talked about it a few weeks back in terms of I I don't see under FSG the the business model changing and the transfer model changing in terms of um, by and large you know targeting players who are probably just below that that bracket of what you'd say you know absolute elite you know signings signings effectively like Salah Firmino and Mane were before Liverpool signed them I think that. That is where, that is where Liverpool, you know, with their data and analysis departments, will will continue to target those those kind of specifics. So, um, yeah, you know, Diogo Jota was a good example of that, wasn't it? You know, I think that one came out of nowhere. You know, no other big clubs were in for Diogo Jota, and then suddenly it's like, wow, you know, this guy is absolutely perfect for Liverpool, and he looks an absolute snip at the money they paid for him. So, um, so no, it, you know. You know, again, you know, next summer is so far away. Who knows what could happen between now and then, and whether strategies and policies change. But um, no, not not in the current structure there. And you know, we talked about when we talked about Mo Salah's contract situation, didn't we? In terms of the wage structure, you know, it's you know when when you see some of the figures banded around for you know Haaland's wage demands and Mbappe, and you know, it's how do you possibly fit that in to you know to a to a club like Liverpool, where they've they've made such a deliberate attempt to ensure there's not too much of a disparity amongst their their top earners. I mean, FSG James are very set on this break-even model. Uh, Aaron says it's brilliant that our best players no one no longer want to leave. Obviously, the the re-signing of so many influential players, but does the inability to generate large funds from these types of sales hamper? The reinvestment. So he's saying basically, but by, by keeping all these best players, by not selling on your Sadio Mane, so we're actually hampering the ability to 
take the squad to that next level? <laughs> well, I, again, I think, I think, I think you, it's just the reality of the situation, isn't it? I think say say the pandemic had never happened, then maybe you would have had a situation where your resolve is being tested with. 120, 150 million pound bids for, for Mane or Salah. Um, and then suddenly you've got a decision to make, you know, what do you do? You know, is has their head been turned? But I think, you know, any any discussion about kind of, you know, imagine, you know, what would you do for argument's sake if, if you could get massive money for someone who's 28, 29, and then reinvest that, you know, in, in a much younger player, you know, say Mbappe for argument's sake. But it, it's that's just not been... It's it's not like Liverpool have decided not to go down that route. I think um, it's just the, the 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 fact that they the 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 world of football has changed, hasn't it? They haven't been batting away offers, and and you know, and also those players are happy and content where they are. And I certainly don't think that's a bad thing. You know, obviously people point to the Coutinho one and think, well, actually, you know, when you look back, you know, selling Coutinho was fantastic in terms of it. It basically paid for probably the two most transformative signings. In Liverpool's Premier League history, with you know, with with Allison and, and Van Dijk, but you know, I I I think you've got to be careful what you wish for as well, because you know Salah, you know, absolutely carried Liverpool for for big chunks of last season, and he looks like he certainly hasn't taken any backward steps since. So, yeah, I don't I don't think this idea that by not selling like an elite player and reinvesting that that's hold held Liverpool back. I just think you know, obviously there is a potential issue further down the line where too many of those elite players, you know, are at the back end of their career at the same time. And that, you know, that's what, you know, the, why there are such big decisions to be made over these contract extensions. One of the reasons why they decided not to, to kind of give in and give Jeannie Wijnaldum what he wanted, because it was like, well, hang on a minute, you know, is that a good use of funds for the next four years? And they felt, they felt that it wasn't. So, um, but yeah, and and I, and I think, you know, in terms of you mentioned the self-sustaining business model there, and you know that has been another issue probably last summer and this summer. The fact that they didn't generate anything like what they thought they would do in sales, I think, you know, it's you know because because the, the you know the absolute ins and outs of every transfer isn't isn't published. You know, you you know Liverpool tend to 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 put out there the fees, including the add-ons that they get that they've negotiated. Now, you of course you don't know which which of those add-ons are realistic and which are likely to be triggered and which aren't. So, you know, if you go by those add-ons, it looks like Liverpool have returned a profit in this window, yet you have to factor in that the 12 million they agreed with Fulham for Harry Wilson doesn't even start being repaid for another 12 months to help Fulham cope with the championship FFP rules. Um, so, so yeah, you know, and, you know, when you think back to this summer, we wrote, you know, Liverpool were expecting bids the 10, 12 million for Nico Williams after the Euros, that didn't happen. 15 million for Nat Phillips. Now, even even right up to deadline day, Nat Phillips was still under the impression he could be leaving Liverpool. Um, and But because there was no offer forthcoming um, that Liverpool fancied, you know, the, he ended up staying put and agreeing a, a new contract extension, which I think is as much about rewarding him as protecting his value going forward you know the same with Origi you know talk of 15 20 million for him you know n absolutely nothing close and you know part of that is because of the way that the transfer win you know the, the the finances of football at the moment on the back of the pandemic um so yeah all, all of that has made things more difficult but I, I also completely agree with those fans who say 
well, hang on a minute, you know, looking at clubs who aren't in the Champions League, um, whose owners don't have a bottomless pit of cash, they're not, they're not Russian oligarchs or sheikhs that have still spent more than Liverpool. Um, you know, why, why is that the case? And of course, you know, they've decided to take, you know, to gamble, to take risks, whether it's borrowing money, whether it's taking money out of their own pocket. And, and I can understand why people would say, well, when FSG have, you know, obviously the, the, the value of their asset at Liverpool is, in, is enhanced, been enhanced so significantly in the last 10 years, you know, why, why aren't they prepared to do the same? Now, you, you know, that, that I think is a, is a fair question to ask. One of the contract extensions that was announced on transfer deadline day was Jordan Henderson's. Jackie puts absolutely love Henderson, delighted that he's got his new contract. But is it right that the club announced this on deadline day, Kiva? I mean, it was a smart move, was it? I think. I mean, it was probably always going to get announced when it was done, I guess. And that was the timing of it. Wasn't just kept back for that day. Yeah, potentially they maybe knew that nothing was going to actually happen. So let's, you know, get the fans on side a little bit. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I mean, it did get the fans on side a lot because, you know, Jordan Henderson staying at Liverpool and probably seeing out his career with Liverpool is, I think, something we all want and need. Um, You know, he doesn't necessarily in those years need to be starting every game. I think he can eventually sort of fall into a... um, James Milner sort of role like I don't think he'll actually want to do that he will he's just the type of player that'll I mean James Milner wants to start every game doesn't he so Jordan Henderson definitely will um but yeah I think you know um the Van Dyke announcement I think it, it came just before one of the games I don't know the, the timings of these things will always be boosts for for Liverpool and Liverpool fans I think just obviously then with Liverpool not doing anything on deadline day, kind of, and then announcing Nat Phillips and Reese Williams had signed um, new contracts, you know, they were getting, fans were probably, you know, a little bit frustrated that contracts were, you know, the new the new signings almost, which is, um, you know, I know fans want shiny new things, don't they? And sort of just getting the same players that sticking around for a few years. But, you know, I think um, that, that deal was was ongoing, wasn't it? It was going to get announced at some point, and that was the day. And just yeah, I think a really smart move for Liverpool. And we, do, I think that's the one thing we have to be thankful for is the contracts of you know key players. This team is still a team that were champions not long ago, and you know the spine of that is is all there and all extended for a long time to come. And I think one thing you know, thinking when when James was talking about Salah and Mane we can be almost grateful for and I think fans will feel relieved because, you know, this summer there was just no no not not no rumours regarding Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah. It was only Salah's contract, which is obviously still ongoing, the only sort of issue, I guess, for fans. But there was no um no sort of sniff at all, was there, that those players might might want to leave Liverpool. There was no transfer saga. And because there wasn't that, we can't feel almost grateful that it didn't happen. But it didn't happen, you know, and we've been there before with, you know, James mentioned before, Coutinho. They're just not enjoyable times. I think that kind of shows the position Liverpool are in. You know, the best players don't want to leave, even if, you know, the market is a bit chaotic and maybe, you know, bids just didn't didn't come in. But, you know, I think that's a position of strength, isn't it? That Liverpool's best players want to commit their future to the club. 
Um, and, you know, they will, I'm assuming, add some other players to that as well at some point. Right, here's one uh, from Crusher. He says, hey, Pierce. Crushy, crushy. You can call him. You can call him James. He, he uses his first name. Um, Mister. When Klopp, yeah, Mister Pierce. When Klopp leaves in 2024, and he's got one Premier League, one Champions League, one Club World Cup, and one Super Cup, will this be counted as a failure? Given he would have stayed almost a decade, so Crusher's got his glass half full. <laughs> well, well um, a couple of things there. One. I would be absolutely amazed if, come 2024, that is still the list of Jurgen Klopp's trophies won at Liverpool. Um, And, no, I don't think the word failure and Jurgen Klopp could ever be used in the same sentence because, um, no, I think, think, you know, I I remember Stephen Gerrard saying when interviewed him just after the Premier League title was won that, as far as he's concerned, there should be a a Klopp statue outside Anfield and... Um, I think I think that should happen regardless of what follows. I think probably what he's getting at is, and I see some people say this: if you know, by not throwing more money at it, are are Liverpool not maximising the the abilities and nous of you know who for me is the best manager in world football, and um, you know that that is probably it, it that and that is actually a very difficult one to get to the bottom of because um, it's all well and good to say. You know, our oh, Klopp's not being backed enough. You know, you know, you know, it's he's having to operate with you know one hand tied behind his back. But you know, all all you can do is go on what you're told and what you hear. And you know, anyone who's seen Klopp when he's been asked about transfers this summer, you know, and and people say, oh, he's he's hardly going to publicly criticise his bosses. But we see it all the time with other managers. Will say, you know, of course it's disappointing. You know, we wanted to do more. You know, we couldn't get the deals we wanted. But Klopp goes the other way. He is, you know, he gave me about a three-minute-long answer when I asked him whether you have you not replaced Genie Wijnaldum because there's no money or because you honestly believe in the other options that are there. And and you know, and he went off on one, you know, eulogising about the talent at his disposal. So, you know, if if he is frustrated that he hasn't been able to do this summer what he wanted to do, then. He has done a very, you know, very, very good job of of hiding it. Now, would he want more money to spend? I, I imagine yes, because what you know, what manager anywhere would ever not want more money to spend? But you know, he would have known from the start of the summer exactly what was possible, what wasn't possible, what the contingency plans were. You know, if X leaves, then we'll do this. You know, if you know, if Y, if we get an offer for Y, then you know, who who should we line up? So it's not like he wouldn't have been like pacing around Formby fuming on you know on deadline day because suddenly the you know the rug had been pulled from under his feet. So um, so no, it's you know you know it, it, and you know he is a he's a master club, isn't he as well of, of just getting on you know as far as he's concerned you know it's he accepts the reality of situations and 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 just and just gets on with it and you know he. But, he, but he's very honest, isn't he? And as you referred to before, he doesn't hide his emotions. If he's not pleased with something, he very much expresses it. Yeah, 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 yeah. De- definitely. And, and I think, you know, sometimes he probably gets accused of almost protecting the owners, I see, you know, amongst some supporters. And, you know, maybe to a certain degree, you know, that maybe that, that does happen at times. But I think it's also because he knows, 
like what possible value is there in in kind of you know of you know because when you start moaning about what you've got then you put seeds of doubt in the dressing room don't you in terms of like well oh he's obviously not very happy with what he's got you know does he not believe in us and and rather than moan about what he hasn't been able to do this summer Klopp will be looking at solutions he'll be you know as he has done this summer with with Harvey Elliott and as he said himself you know if you know it you know, if they had a massive squad, then Harvey Elliott wouldn't have been given those opportunities. We wouldn't have seen whether he was able to to step up and, and deliver. So, um, you know, and the same with, with Cade Gordon, who, I, you know, like I said, I'm sure we'll see him make a, a senior debut in the in the coming weeks. So, um, yeah, I think Liverpool are incredibly lucky to have Jurgen Klopp. Um, and, you know, I, I, I still believe that you know that he he will add to that trophy collection in the in the coming seasons. Absolutely. Um, we'll finish with some stuff on Harvey. Aaron says thoughts on Elliot. Can he play thirty plus games this season? Uh, you've got other questions here about Liverpool's dynamic in midfield changing with Elliot uh, now involved, and indeed, will he take a more central role when the Afcon comes around, Kiva? Absolutely, he can play more than thirty games. I think Liverpool will manage him well, just as Blackburn did last season. You know, he played. 41 games in the championship plus cup games and things as well so you know this kid's got legs he's got energy um you know he's well looked after at liverpool they'll manage him um really well and yeah he's gonna play a massive role you can see that already from the opening games just how big of an impact he's already had he you know we're talking about signings and stuff he and the, this term does get thrown around a lot but he does feel like a new signing because this is the first time he's really been a Liverpool player. Um, this is his, his debut season, really. Other than, you know, he has been involved in the squad before his his loan to Blackburn. But yeah, just it just feels like his season. It feels like the end of the season we could be looking at a player who's getting like Young Player of the Year award because that's what he's shown in those opening games. Just how good he is, and I feel like, um, yeah, it, he's going to be massive as well when Afcon swings around. And you know, his relationship with Salah, which I know was annoying people at the Chelsea game because they kept doing the same sort of thing and, you know, wasn't quite getting there. Um, but, you know, their relationship just looks effortless and that's just going to be a massive position of strength for Liverpool um, with him in and around the squad. And I think, you know what, you could put him anywhere and he'd, he'd just do an incredible job. Such a special young talent. I don't think we can emphasise that enough. James, are you, are you worried about AFCON at all? Again, a lot of questions on here. And given that we were talking about depth and a lack of signings, how much of a worry is it to you? Yeah, it is a worry, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think, of course, by the time AFCON comes around, another transfer window would have been open. So there is still the opportunity for Liverpool to do something in January. And you know maybe that is part of the thought process that, you know, essentially Minamino and Origi have, have got until January to to prove that they are ready to, to step up in the absence of Salah and 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 Marnie. Um but uh yeah, I think I, I, I completely agree that you know I wrote about it after the Chelsea game last weekend. Not because not because there was any great disgrace in not breaking down Chelsea because they were brilliantly well drilled and as much as it pains you to say it, you're talking about the European champions. But it's more it's more the bigger picture, I think, when you look at the squad, when you look at the fact Origi hasn't even made the bench, when you look at the fact, you know, playing against ten men desperately in need of a goal. You know, Minamino wasn't brought on. He hasn't figured yet. So, so yeah, I think that has to, you know, I, that that for me 
when you know when you when you look back on the window that is the one the one thing i think that's really missing i think uh, you know a, a year ago it was you know the the concern was are liverpool going to pay the price for not replacing day and lovren and obviously because you just thought well surely three senior center halves is leaving yourself a bit light and as it turned out you know, it, it, it was proved to be a mistake because, you know, although although what followed was unprecedented, Liverpool still hadn't gone into the season with enough cover at centre-half. And obviously the knock-on effect then of, on the midfield of having to use Fabinho there. And similarly, 12 months on, I think the issue, the, the, the glaring one is that lack of backup for the, for the front line. And, um, you know, clearly part of that is down to the fact that the right offer didn't come in for Origi. Um, so, so, yeah, it's... You know, it's down to Klopp to try and, you know, get more of a tune out of out of Minamino and Origi in the months to come. And as you said on your social media, James, 123 days, and we could do it all again. <laughs> the the window the window will reopen. Not really appreciate your time. Thanks to everyone who sent questions in. There were so many more we couldn't really get through them all. But hopefully the guys, Kiva and James of giving you some of the top-line answers that you were after. Uh, please check out Kiva's piece on um, the Jeff Stelling war that she was involved in as soon as she's got that up. And there'll be loads more stuff on The Athletic, of course. Uh, James, Simon, Kiva, all writing on the Reds in the coming weeks. Thanks for listening to the Red Agenda Extra. We'll see you next time. <laughs>